Amen. The beautiful thing is uh, to remember that when we're here, we're working for the Lord, amen? What we do here is actually, I mean, when I think about what I do uh, in Las Vegas on the Strip, I do have a boss, I do have an employer, but what we do here in God's house, He is the one we're working for. It's such a great and honor and privilege to serve the Lord, amen? And when you think about it, it's all really His, is it not? This is our community that He created, hallelujah. He put this family together. That's always a lovely thing to remember as well. Well, this morning we're going to look at Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Uh, I, thought of, uh, I thought of this scripture and I thought of this word because recently my wife said to me, you know what, I don't have really anything for you for Christmas. And, you know, we put up our tree... It sat there kind of lightless for a quick moment, and I thought, I need to get lights. I don't have the little skirt for underneath or anything like that to put the presents on. We didn't have much to put under there, and uh, for a quick moment, it just looked like a sad little tree, uh, not much going on, but I would say, when she mentioned that, what do you, what do you want? I, I don't really have anything for you. And you know, we could really shove a bunch of stuff under there if we wanted to, couldn't we? And is that what matters? Not really. And when I thought about what she said is really, what can I get you? Honestly, I thought to myself, I have everything I need. Amen? We have each other as a church family. We serve a great God. We have loved ones. We have so many people in our lives that are so important and uh, yeah, babe, if I just had you, I, that's all I need. Uh, what, else do, what else do we really need? But the world will make us think we need a lot more, amen? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? You go drive on any highway, you go drive around any town, and you see all the advertisements. And uh, you remember what the Grinch said uh, in that movie? And he, he said, you know where all your presents end up in your garbage. Do you remember that? And I started thinking about it, all the things that I've had and received over the years, and then, you know, one day you just end up with what? A lesson in clutter. <laughs> and I thought about this idea. Who are my anti-clutter people here? Do we have any here? Woo! Yes! That's my style. And who are my... I love the stuff. Here she is. I have one in my house. There was one day uh, we were chatting, and I thought it was so funny, and, and I, I asked Jana, uh, I think we were having like an employee sale or something at Chanel. Once in a while we have sales and for the employees, and, we, and I said, honey, do you want that? And she says, I want it all. <laughs> like, what do I pick? I want it all. And uh, well, this morning we're going to look at Colossians 3, 1 through 17. I think it's a timely message, too, to remember on truly what is important to us. And uh, a lesson in clutter is always a good thing. So let's look at it here. Colossians 3. And this is Paul talking to the church in Coloss. And he says it this way. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. That's already a great start, is it not? Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. 
Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life that you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, gone. Rage, gone. Malice, gone. Slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its Creator." Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, this is for us, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs like we did this day, with gratitude in our hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And most importantly, verse 18, wives, submit to your husband. Oh, wait a minute. I went, I went too far. I went too far. I was supposed to stop at 17. I, all right. <laughs> well, praise God. Let's say, let's say thanks to the Lord for such a great passage of Scripture. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I, I shared this Scripture with my daughter last night, and she said, Dad, that's good. And I thought, you know what? It's really good. This is a great passage of Scripture because truly, when it comes to the idea of being cluttered down with other things that aren't the Lord, it's so easy for it to happen. And if you've ever heard of a, a pastor named Max Lucado, he has this great uh, story, and it's a, about a, a wedding. And he says, in comes, uh, in comes the groom, and the groom is just buried with luggage. He's trying to carry in all this luggage, bags dangling from every arm, and he's got things wrapped around him. And all of these bags have a label. One says guilt, one says anger, one says arrogance, one says insecurities. And here he is bringing this all up to the wedding stage. This guy's loaded. He stands at the altar, and the audience can almost hear what he's thinking. And he's thinking, finally, I have someone to help me carry all these burdens. She's so strong. She's so stable. She loves me. And as his thoughts continue, and she enters up on the stage, she enters wearing her own wedding gown full and covered with luggage, pulling a handbag, carrying a shoulder carry-on, hauling a makeup kit, paper sack, everything you could imagine, everything labeled. She has her own bags that she's bringing to this moment. Prejudice, loneliness, disappointments, unmet expectations. And when we hear what she's thinking, she says, just a few more minutes and I got me a man. 
No more counselors, no more group sessions. So long discouragement, so long worry. I, we, I won't be able to see you anymore because this marriage and this guy's going to fix me. But then when they're standing up there in the mountain of their own luggage and the minister calls for the final kiss, they can't even get in for that kiss because they're so buried in baggage. Isn't that a wild moment? How can you embrace someone if you're full of your own baggage and luggage? So it hit me as we prayed this morning and we said, Lord, meet your people's needs. That's the moment where we realize we want God's people to be blessed, not burdened. Amen? Anybody feel a little bit of a burden moment this week? This is not always the joyful time of year. Isn't that true? So many things can go wrong and so many hurts and things can happen. But you know what God told Abraham that I thought was so important? He said, I will surely bless you. And you know why he said that? Because you have obeyed me. So if anything we learn today in this Christmas season, it's a season of obedience because we want to be blessed of the Lord, amen? And we don't want to be weighed down by the world. We don't want to carry all this baggage that will rob us from God's blessing. Isn't that what baggage does? Sometimes in life it ends up taking away the focus of what we need to think about. Being raised in Christ Jesus to a new life, amen? Doesn't that sound better in 2024? A new life raised in Christ Jesus? And what I think Paul is trying to tell us here is also to put to death what belongs to our earthly nature. Do you understand your earthly nature? All of its wants and desires? Have you? Have you ever caught yourself thinking something and thought, that is not of the Lord? (laughs) You ever have that moment? I get that all the time. My wife and I, we were talking this morning, uh, last night actually, I said, dream car, what would it be? What would be your dream car? And uh, I really don't have one. Janice said she'd like a Genesis SUV. Have you ever seen those? And I thought, you know what, right now, I think what my mind's thinking of, there's cute little SUVs by Buick called, I think it's called an Encore. I'm like, I'd be happy with that. I don't really have a dream for much when it comes to that moment, but I would say one thing. I don't want to have and want too much from this world. I don't want to go too wild. I don't want to go too anything that would take away from understanding what's really important in life. Amen? So when we look at our first uh, point this morning, I wanted you to consider this. Think about this. Since Paul mentioned something kind of close to this have as much regard for this world as a dead person now i come with a story of course i come with a story one time jen and i went to a hospital visit and uh, a friend of ours had suffered a heart attack and he uh, he survived and he was up in the icu and we were going into the uh, into the hotel we were going into the hospital and uh, as we caught the elevator to go up to the fifth floor i believe Uh, they were bringing out a body covered with a little, I don't know what you'd call it. I don't know, it wasn't a blanket, but it was some kind of plastic covering. And Jana looked at me, and when that body came out of the the, uh, elevator, the head kind of wobbled, and she said, get me out of here. Get me out of here. And I said, we can't. We have to go see Ronnie. He's up on the fifth floor. He survived. We have to go spend time with them. But I remember she freaked out that moment and thought, get me out of here. I do not want to be around a dead body. 
But when you think about that, when you think about that person that came out with that <laughs> wobbling head, never again will that person be wrapped up in wanting all the latest craze, the latest cars, the latest deals, the this, the that, the latest flat screen TV that Samsung came out, the dropping prices on this or that. They won't care if mortgage rates are at 3% or 8%. They won't care that Chipotle has this awesome new melted queso cheese with chips for just a few dollars, it will never matter again because he's dead. <laughs> and this world means nothing to him. Kind of a fascinating thought. But if there's one thing I want to be dead to in 2024, coming up around the corner, I want to be dead to sin in my life. Amen? I want to take sin and go, boom. Kick it right out the door. And another thing I'd like to be dead to in 2024 is the desire for more earthly things. Because this is what Paul means by when he says, For you died and now we are alive to Christ and the things of heaven. What are the things of heaven? Don't you want to know? Be alive to the things of heaven. If you begin to look at the world from God's perspective, your perspective will change dramatically. Isn't that true? That's why Joseph, when he was sold into slavery, can say, actually, it was all part of God's plans, bros. What you guys meant to harm me, God meant for a greater moment to save lives. When you look at it from God's perspective, everything changes. And we want a godly perspective operating in our minds, correct? We don't want to stay in spiritual immaturity. We want to look at it from the mature moment. Sink into the mind of God. And I used to argue with my mom. Anybody used to do that when you were a kid? Oh, we have some young people here too. It might be going through it right now. Did you ever argue with your mom? We used to live on a street in California. And it was called Orange. Orange Street in Redlands, California. And I just got my license, but she would not let me drive across Orange Street. She called it the death trap. So we started making fun of her, like, hey, I'd like to go down the death trap and go to 7-Eleven and get a Coke. No, you won't do it. And what, I would say something like this, Jimmy and Kenny get to do it. They just got their license. And what would a mom say? If Jimmy and Kenny's parents let them jump off a cliff, would you do it too? Isn't that what a mom says? I don't care what the world is doing or saying when you think about it. I know one thing. My conduct should match my faith that I profess. My conduct needs to match my faith. And this is accomplished by dying to this world, hallelujah, and being alive and on fire for Christ Jesus. So second thing I wanted to mention this morning is this. We don't settle for mediocrity and we don't just drift with the Lord. You know, at college, you can do two things. You can take the course for credit or you can take it for, what's it called, hon? Auditing. Auditing. So you do all the work, but you don't get a grade. That's one thing we don't want to do. We don't want to just audit the Lord. We want to go for credit. Hallelujah. Amen. We want to do the work. We want to prove ourselves and we want to do it all the right way. There was one time in my college career I got an F and I got an F in world geography and you know what's crazy about that? I'm the kind of guy you could tell me on a map, can you find Nepal? And I can find it in less than one second. Or you could say, hey, can you tell me where, I mean, you can 
do the craziest things on earth. By the way, did you know Americans never know the capital of Canada? You always want to say Montreal. You always want to say Toronto. Americans can never figure that out. You know what it is? It's Ottawa. Our neighbor to the north, we don't know it. But I did because I, I love world geography. Oh, what about Australia? No one ever knows the capital of Australia. I know what you want to say. Melbourne or Sydney. Look it up later. Anyways, just to show you, how in the world did I get an F on world geography? You know why I did it? I drifted through the final so quick. I just drifted like a surfer and got the heck out of there and ran out of there. I did the work and I totally messed up the final because I had on my mind the beaches of California. I thought the moment I get out of this class, CSN, in North Las Vegas, I'm going to go to the beach. And I just did the final so quick and I've I bailed out of there and I split. And then all of a sudden I called in to get my grade and I got an F. I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. So what did I do? I just regrouped myself, really realized what was important, repaid for the class, ouch. Retook all the tests, redid this, redid that, all the quizzes, blah, blah, blah. Aced the final. And then I got this wonderful note in the mail from Dr. Ross. And he said, Ryan... You ended up in the top 5% of the class. And he said, it's my privilege to associate with students, but it's an honor to associate with a scholar. And then he wrote, never settle for mediocrity. I have that on my resume. When I applied to Rolex, when I applied to Chanel, it says at the top, Dr. Ross's words, never settle for mediocrity. It became, in a sense, almost like something that I lived by. It was a statement that changed my life. I applied it to my Christian walk. Why do I want to be a mediocre in God's family or kingdom? Right? When you think about it, it can change your heart. What is a mediocrity? Half-hearted, bare minimum, just getting by. Never settle for mediocrity, especially in God's kingdom. Do you remember the wise wisdom of Mr. Miyagi? What did he tell Daniel? He told him, wax on, wax off, and all those other things. And he said, walk the right side of the road, safe. Walk the left side of the road, safe. Walk the middle, get squished just like a grape. So we want to make sure that when we serve the Lord, like Paul reminds us, because of our sinful earthly nature, we have to remember that as we're serving the Lord, he says, the wrath of God is coming. Do you believe that? And the truth is, just flirting around with God, just drifting by, just eh, the quizzes, the this, the that, whatever you think, that's not enough. We want to have a commitment that really makes a mark and moves the needle, amen? We want to make sure that we're not settling for mediocrity. We're just going fully for the Lord. And notice Paul doesn't say in verse 16, let the word of Christ kind of dwell in your heart. Or let the word of Christ sort of be there in your heart. No, he says boldly, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If you have ever had a beautiful mocha latte with frothed almond milk from coffee bean, next time you're in Vegas, go do it. That is what I call rich. Mm -mm -mm. Anybody here like chocolate? Chocolate can be rich, amen? I took the family to Belgium early this year. Belgium is known for chocolate. 
And let me tell you, when you put it in your mouth, it's rich and delicious. And that's what Paul's saying here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Not just kind of. Here or there, richly. And Jesus, what did he do? He went all the way to the cross for us. And we deserve to give him better than mediocrity, amen? Or half-heartedness or anything like that. We don't want to dishonor what he did for us, amen? Third, I wanted to mention this. This one we'll have fun with a little bit because I thought it was too funny last night. Stop sinful practices before they kill you. <laughs> you believe that's possible? So last night, Jan and I, were we stayed in Cedar City last night. We decided to get, get away. I don't want to see a suit this week. I don't want to be in a casino this week working. I wanted to be somewhere else. So we took off for Cedar City. And the lady, the waitress that we had last night, she said she came from Oregon. She said, you know what Oregon has done? They've decriminalized a lot of drugs like uh, cocaine, heroin. She had a third one. I don't remember what it was. There you go. She said they decriminalized it. Because their thinking was, I forgot what she said, they're, just, they're going to access it anyways. So they decriminalized it. And she said, you know what happened when they did that? So many deaths from overdosing happened immediately. And I said, you know what's so funny about that, Michelle? That's exactly what Jesus said when he set this guy straight that was sinning. And he said, stop sinning before it kills you. <laughs> and isn't that what's happening in certain places like when she's talking about Oregon or Portland or whatever. Why sanction sin, amen? Why give it a green light? Why say, maybe it's not so sinful. Call it what it is, amen? Call a spade a spade. A friend of mine who was at the top of his game, he was running a jewelry store in Vegas, and I'm talking jewelry. If you have never seen a 20-carat, 25-carat diamond, this guy, was he had them and he was selling them. You know what a 20-carat looks like? It's almost the size of an eyeball. No joke. Fancy yellows, fancy blues, things that no one has ever seen before. This guy was at the top of his game, but the stress got to him. And every time that he would get through his shift or even sometimes sneak away during his shift, he would go to the bar and drink, come back drunk, or if you needed him in the evening, hey, Bob, I need a special price on this or that, he'd be half drunk and ended up in hospice, Maryland Parkway. And spouse said, please go see him. And I did, led him in the Lord's Prayer. He died the next morning. Stop sinful practices, amen, before it can kill. Because James correctly reminds us, James says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by, are you ready for this? His own evil desire, he's dragged away and enticed. That means that we have an internal issue, do we not? Sometimes our own evil desire can drag us away and entice us, and we don't have to blame God or the devil. We can blame our own evil desire. And then it says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And James isn't kidding. There's one death that I think that we should all focus on. It's the death of our sin nature. Amen? 
That's the one we should put to death, the sin nature. Paul says in verse 5, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Why? Because Christ died for those who love Him. Hallelujah. And our own old rebellious nature died with Him. Therefore, we regard our earthly nature as dead. I prepaid for Jenna and I for our cremations. I thought, you know what? I might as well book it now. <laughs> and then, when they sent me the little box and everything, and I flipped over the box and it said, Made in China, I told the kids, you will not put me in that box. You'll find some other way. You'll find something else. When they hand back my ashes, do not put me in that box. No. We're, we're, looking, we're thinking of other ideas right now. But I'll tell you one thing. We are to truly regard our nature, our earthly nature as dead. And remember that Jesus said in all seriousness in Mark 9.43, He says this, If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. You think He's kidding? I don't. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better to enter life crippled than to be thrown into hell. What I believe Jesus is saying, in my opinion, is cut off the support systems that feed our sinful desires. Cut off those support systems. That might mean something different to all of us, amen? I just paid my credit card bill. It was shocking. And I told myself, you know what? How I'm going to cut that off next month? I'm not going to charge as much. This is insane. Our last point is this. Place heaven priorities into daily practice. There was one time I took Jenna to a show at the Wynn. And there's this guy that Mr. Wynn loved named Danny Gans. Do you remember Danny Gans? And uh, Danny had this uh, show at the Encore Theater, and he, uh, he stopped in the middle of a show and kind of mixed things up instead of just doing uh, impersonations and all that stuff. Do you like impersonations? Anybody good at impersonations, by the way? If you do, I want to see some later. Danny Gans stopped in the middle of the show. He said, let me share a picture that my daughter drew. And in the picture that he put on the big screen, it showed the family down on the earth and it shows dad all by himself up in an airplane going off to the next gig. And he said, this was our holiday and my daughter was drawing the fact that I wasn't with them and I'm flying to the next city to do a job alone. And he said, you know what? I began to pray. This is what he's saying in the Encore Theater. I began to pray and ask the Lord for a job that could be close to my family. And he said, and here I am now, here in Henderson, and I get to be in this beautiful wind theater, and it is an answer to prayer. The Lord came through. Here the Lord's name is being lifted up on the strip in Las Vegas. It was the coolest thing ever to see because truly that's placing heaven priorities into daily practice. Two nights ago, a friend of mine just told me about her dad and his pacemaker and they had to switch it out and he almost died and all this. And here we are praying in the middle of the, uh, the stairwell up to the, uh, the parking garage at the Wynn. You know why? 
we have to remind the world that God still cares and God's people are everywhere to be there at a moment's notice. You know what? Let's thank God that your father's still alive. Let's ask him that he'll heal and his pacemaker will settle and he won't have an infection. Let's ask the Lord for all of this. We need to be ready to go with heaven priorities at any moment. Amen. The world wants us to focus, though, on the now. And we need to remember now more than ever, it's important to concentrate on the eternal things rather than the temporal. Hallelujah. Because the things of God are forever. There are times that I've wanted a lot of things. You know what Roomba is? I saw that commercial. That little robot going all around your house, sweeping up dust. A $300 machine? I wanted it. <laughs> I, could, I can envision Roomba under my bed. Hallelujah. But $300? This world always make you want something, won't it? Paul reminds us, fix our eyes on what is seen. Excuse me, I said it wrong. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but he says this, but what on is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we start bringing a piece of heaven wherever we go, in our homes, as our song said this morning, in our schools, in our jobs, with our friends, with strangers. We put heaven priorities into daily practice, amen. And we bless someone when they need blessing, amen. To place heaven priorities into daily practice, we have to stop acting, looking, and living like the world. Ooh, isn't that the truth? Last thing I want to mention this morning is this. It's time for us, God's people, to start preparing for the return of Christ. Sometimes I don't think we think about this enough. You have to be prepared. So recently we had a, an employee sale at the hotel. Chanel was doing a sale. The discount was huge. It was awesome. Everyone's having a lot of fun. But there's a lot of things that go wrong. You have to schedule a time, you have to do this, you have to do that, is it your day off? And sometimes certain people don't want other people to go, but uh, you know, th th there's like, well, it's, we don't have this many products, so this and that. But I have to tell you, the reason I was able to get my team in on that sale was because they know the director. And if I say they're going, they're going. And I have to tell you, when it comes to certain things, like when, when it's our, uh, our relationship with Christ Jesus, I want us to know that we have a place in heaven. Why? Because you know the director. And that's who we worship today, amen? We have a relationship with the big shot. And we have a rendezvous with destiny. Who said that? Was that Reagan? But I have to tell you, we want to know this Lord. Who is this King of glory who pursues us with his love the real prize in this life is the reality of the gain of heaven amen amen it's time for us to wake up every morning as though this is the day that jesus is coming back and be prepared so talking about being prepared max lucato has this great story he said he he loved to jog i hate jogging I hate my knees and my ankles do not like to run. I joined the wrestling team and once I realized you had to run, I said, "Oh heck no." I thought you just got on a mat and like hurt people, you know, and like squeezed them and stuff. But they said, "No, 13 13 laps around the Oh no. No. Quit. No running." Max Lucado says, "When he was preparing for a jog, 
He couldn't decide what to wear. The sun was out, but the wind was chilly. The sky was clear, but the forecast said rain. Jacket, sweatshirt. He said, I decided to take both. Grabbed a Walkman, but couldn't decide what tape to bring. Music or sermon. So guess what? I brought both. Needing to stay in touch with my kids? Brought the cell phone. Just so no one would steal my car? Pocketed my keys. As a precaution against thirst, I brought along some drink money in a pouch. Brought the pouch, brought the money. Looked more like a pack mule than a runner this day. Within a half mile, I began to peel off my jacket and hide it in the bush to pick it up later. The kind of weight will slow you down. But what's true in jogging, he said, is true in faith. God has a great race for each of us to run. And under his care, we will go where we have never been before, serve in ways that we've never even dreamed of, but you have to drop the stuff, amen? How can you share grace if you're full of guilt? How can you offer comfort if you're disheartened? How can you lift someone else up and help them with their load if your arms are full of your own? Wait. And I added this. And how can you live a resurrected new life in Christ Jesus if you're not willing to put to death the old sinful nature? Reject. Heisman, reject it. Paul states, take off your old self and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of its creator. So it means no matter what happens in this world, it's all about Jesus, amen? I had to pray hard this morning. I couldn't find my key to my car when we left the hotel in Cedar City. I thought I lost it. I almost was getting ready to have to get on the phone and call the church and go, guess what? <laughs> I checked every pocket, couldn't find it. Janice saw panic on my face. Like, this is the first time I'm not gonna make it. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. And then I said, Lord, 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 help me. And all of a sudden, that key just like dropped out of this weird spot in my pocket, the one I had already checked. And I thought, praise God. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Because the truth is, being obedient to God, and we want to know truly that He loves us so much. Amen? Being obedient. He loves us. He wants our life hidden and secured in Him. We can take it to a God that is as big as ours. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Lord, thank you, Lord, for getting us here today. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, we bless your name this day. We thank you for this word from Paul to remember to be less cluttered. Hallelujah. To remember to be lighter of this world and more heavy-weighted in the things of God. We thank you, Lord, that even this season, as we remember your son Jesus, that's all we truly need. A Savior, hallelujah. A Savior. And Father, we thank You so much that truly You meet the needs of Your people. Bless Your people, Lord God, and increase our obedience and our faith in You, hallelujah. Lord, we're reminded today truly that we are to be dead to this world. We are to be dead to this world and alive to Christ. Remind us, Lord, every day not to settle for mediocrity, but to settle for excellence in what You have for us, Lord our relationship with you. 
Father, that also we stop sinful practices. Amen. Lord, be the God that helps us kick sin out in this next year in such a major way that the needle gets moved, not one, two, three notches, but like five notches, Lord. Move the needle to get sin kicked out of our lives. Hallelujah. And Lord, let us put uh, truly heaven priorities into daily practice and prepare for the return of your Son because this world needs Jesus. This world needs a Savior. Hallelujah. Merry Christmas to you, Lord God. We worship you. We love you. We thank you for your Son. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Merry Christmas. Can hardly wait to see you again. Glad I found my key. That was, that was a nice moment. <laughs> oh, what a nightmare. Well, enjoy and let's have some good times together, okay? If you need prayer, stay behind.